It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So, how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. Happy Monday, everyone. J.C. Sherbert here inside the Game Gosh, the show, along with Phil Mullinax, Hour One, presented by Cindy Steer Foss, Realtor Caldwell Banker Kane in the Upstate. You'll hear her ad later. Uh, hit her up if you're in the Upstate. We have plenty of satisfied customers out there from when she sponsored the when it was podcast format, uh, and she's a proud presenter of the first hour of Inside the Game Gosh, the show. Phil, how was your weekend, man? Oh, had a great weekend, JC. Uh, my sister's birthday is today. Happy birthday, Kelly. And we celebrated mm-hmm. up at dad's uh, over the weekend and uh, just got to enjoy some good time with family. Yeah. Happy birthday, Kelly Kale. I hope it's a good one. I know Kelly. I know Phil and his whole family, man. <laughs> <laughs> certainly, uh, it certainly seemed like you had a great birthday party last night. Um, some Gamecock news. Uh, they they kind of broke. Uh, I guess during the week and then kind of confirmed it later uh, off the basketball court, some, some recruiting information Uh, South Carolina, Lamont Paris landed their first player for the 2023 recruiting class. That's not guys coming in this year. It's the guys coming in the following class, Colin Murray Boyles, um, who is going to transfer to a school in Utah. uh, Who's from uh, AC floor, originally Columbia kid. Six foot seven power forward commits the Gamecocks over App State, Belmont, Coastal Carolina, Jacksonville. Not a extensively crazy good offer list, but as John Whittle from the Bigspur.com reported, you know, Clemson, Florida, Tennessee, a lot of schools, Phil, were trying to kind of get in on him late. Um, you know, six seven guy that can handle the ball and shoot, uh, from what uh, Whittle also reported. That's you know, we don't know a lot about Lamont Paris because. It's right. it's not like there's a big, you know, book on him. You can look at what he did at Chattanooga and kind of tell, but he sort of evolved there from the Wisconsin style offense to, you know, his style. Um, but you know, one thing that we do know now is that these guys that are kind of longer and taller that can handle the ball and shoot are kind of the type of guys he prefers. And you know, the NBA these days is sort of a positionless basketball game in a lot of ways. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe that's where the game's headed. And maybe you'll see more guys like this as opposed to, you know, maybe under Frank Martin, some of the traditional body types that were centers and and, and things like that. But, you know, Phil, you talk about this on the show uh, and with football. It's important to get players from within the state. Uh, this yeah. guy is within the state. Um, and uh, another guy uh, that's in Blythewood, uh, Arden Conyers, is the same type body type. He's within the state and also very big. Uh, Gamecock target uh, for the 2023 class. So, you know, I'll take an in-state guy, you know, a a Columbia guy, you know. uh, It's just, um, it's one of those things where Columbia, most recruiting cycles in basketball is is loaded, uh, good player. Uh, And so uh, a lot of them have left and gone on elsewhere to to, to have good careers. So uh, I'll take this, you know, I think there's a lot of discussion about it. Uh, because of his offer list and things like that. But I'll remind everybody, basketball is not like football. It doesn't set up exactly uh, like that, um, you know, where 
you know, schools will offer and then they'll fill up and then they don't have the spot. You know, that happened with Judy Jackson, for goodness sake. So uh, it, it's the, the offer in hoops uh, means something, no doubt. But but right now at this stage, uh, I don't know, Phil, that it's a, a telltale sign about uh, how good Murray Bowles is or not. No, exactly, exactly. I, I don't know. You saw a lot of people, you know, kind of complaining about the St. Bonaventure, you know, offer being like one of the biggest ones he's had early. But, you know, I mean, hey, they've made the tournament more than we have in the past 10 years. So <laughs> <laughs> talk all the junk you want, man. <laughs> the bonnies. The bonnies. The bonnies have been, uh, been in the dance the Gamecocks. <laughs> St. Bonaventure, baby. Oh, yeah. God, Dickie V. God, by the way, just on that note, since we, we just started the show, Phil, I, I am, you know, I follow Dickie V on um, social media just because I, I, I'm kind of a sucker for tradition and things Same. like that. And, yep. you know, I, I love the guy and he's been battling cancer and uh, he's been cancer free. You know, mm-hmm. I, I see all his checkups. The beauty of social media is like you, you, you get checkups on people's lives and stuff, you know, that, that you wouldn't normally do. Uh, mm-hmm. That's, I guess that's one of the positive things about social media. I could list, uh, I could do a whole show on the negative aspects of it, but uh, <laughs> you know, you, you look and he's, he's well, and he's doing good. So shout out Dickie V. Um, you know, as far as from a Carolina standpoint, two things, I remember two things, you know, the first thing um, was that, that uh, the big 1997 win over Kentucky, uh, at the Carolina Coliseum, Eddie Fogler's SEC Championship team. He was there. I think Brad Nessler was calling it, and Dickie V was uh, the color commentator. Color. Which, yeah, Brad Nessler's a legend. So I'm like, I think I think they got lost all, on us all in 1997, right? <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, so he called that game. I remember uh, George Rogers was there. Sterling Sharp was there. Darius Rucker. Uh, it was a star-studded Gamecock Gala, and the Gamecocks won in overtime. They beat Rick Pitino's Kentucky team, 84-79. Then, of course, beat them later that year on CBS at Rupp to claim the SEC championship. We don't need to talk about what happened against Coppin State later. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> that was a memorable year in a lot of ways. Uh, and I remember Dickie V calling that. And then I mentioned this on the show the other day. If you go to YouTube, <clears throat> Dickie V and I think, is it Brad Nessler? No, it's somebody else. It's uh, it's uh, Sean Mc uh, Sean Mc McDonough. Sean McDonough. Okay, Sean McDonough is doing play by play, and Dickie V is doing the color commentating for the Final Four game against Gonzaga. And somebody's got it linked up there. The entire sixteen to nothing run in the second half, and Dickie V's sitting there going, "Oh, unbelievable, baby! Look at their fans! Look at their coach, Frank Martin! Unbelievable!" Uh. I was in the stadium for that, uh, but listening back to that just kind of shows you how wonderful that run was, yeah, and how heartbreaking the end of that game was. Because I thought, <laughs> I thought for sure the Gamecocks, you know, once they came back, and, and I'll never forget that shot that the big guy, that big lanky dude that could shoot from Gonzaga, they have them every year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they had the lumberjack in the middle. Uh, that that was kind of what was different about that Gonzaga team. They had the lumberjack sitting there in the middle. I mean, that dude. If he's not a lumberjack professionally, okay, if he is not somewhere chopping wood right now, this guy's then, missed then his it, it is a shame. <laughs> it is a big, 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 big shame. And so, all right, so there we go with that. I, I think that um, 
you know, I, I think that's kind of the the, the deal there with, with that guy. And, and but, the, but back to my point, the big lanky guy, he goes to the top of the key, shoots it. I swear to God, that ball was rolling off. Was I don't know what the basketball gods, uh, and because because we jumped up out of our seat, we thought it was, hey, yeah, yeah, you missed it, you missed it. No, you didn't. And it just rolled back in. 68 67 Gonzaga. And then, of course, the game cops ran out of gas. They couldn't, they couldn't hit the broad side of a barn all of a sudden. Then it was 72 67. And then it got closer at the end. That, that's history. But uh, shout out to Dickie V uh, and all that. So, uh, but I don't want to talk about basketball very much longer. Nothing, nothing against basketball. I just, uh, uh, we had that news to start off with, uh, you know, at the beginning of the show because there was the commitment there. I uh, got some uh, guests lined up today. Um, Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up Show will join us at the bottom of the hour. That's caused a lot of discussion, but uh, I've been uh, following Chris uh, for about the last nine months really closely. And uh, I, our our job here is to entertain and inform. And uh, it's been entertaining and informative. So uh, I think it'll be a good addition to the show. Uh, you know, we're going to have a lot of different Gamecock voices on. And then an hour number two, we're going to have uh, uh, Michael Bratton from that SEC podcast uh, to talk about the Southeastern Conference, uh, how he sees things. We'll talk some Tennessee. He's really close to that program, but he's really uh, – Mike is really in touch, I think, uh, as well as one can be, Phil, with the intricacies of every program. I mean, this guy, uh, you know, he knows the depth chart at Mississippi State. You know, he, he's, he's there. You know, he's all over it. I wish one day we could get him and cousin Shane on because cousin Shane's just so hilarious. Well, he's a trip. Uh, yeah, man. He, talk, talk, he talks like a Tennessee guy, you know, too. So, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm cousin Shane. You know, uh, there's a different, <laughs> there's a different accent in Tennessee than, than our Southern accents. You know, they're a little more up here in Tennessee, you know, yeah, hey, cousin, cousin Shane, a little bit nasaler, you know, $50, you know, no you know, it's so uh, yeah, it's those Tennessee folks talk a little different, but uh, cousin Shane's hilarious. But uh, I really wish we could get him on too. I've tried before, and it's always kind of like a mystery. Like I'll ask, and then it's like, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know about cousin Shane uh, coming on, but we were definitely want to work on getting cousin Shane on. Michael Bratton will probably be a frequent guest of ours, uh, along with many others. You know, Jamie Bradford's probably going to join us. Meredith Taylor is going to join us. Uh, some of your favorite guests uh, from the JB and Goldwater show uh, will we'll hook link back up with us. Some won't, uh, but we will certainly um, certainly enjoy uh, our guest time, uh, right, Phil? So it's it's not basketball season; it's it's football season. And you know, I, I was kind of looking at some things today, and I'm starting to look uh, at, at some personnel. I'm not starting to look at personnel. I look at personnel all the time. But, you know, I, I kind of go through the roster, Phil, and I'm looking at the running back position. Um, right. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, I, I, I think that, you know, I don't know what to make of it. That's a hot take, JC. Ooh, wait, wait a, put some thought in there. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, no, uh, you know, I, I don't really – how are they going to use – these guys is, is my question. Now, um, I, I thought that the running back usage last year, be it because of injury or, or nagging injury or, uh, you know, production or whatever, um, 
I, uh, you know, I, I wasn't all that fired up about the the way they were used, but uh, I don't I don't know that's necessarily a coaching thing. It was probably out of necessity. Uh, I certainly think in the bowl game the usage was good. I, I thought that in the games Carolina won, uh, Auburn and and Florida down the stretch, the, the usage was good. And uh, you know, and, and I'm not one of these people either. That's like, well. If they're running for a lot of yards, that's good usage. But if they're not, that's bad usage. That, that's not that really. I, I like the rotation a lot better, uh, especially in the bowl where where you get hit yeah. them with with Harris, 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 and then boom, there goes Juju around the end. Or mm-hmm. you know, here's a keeper from to carry on, or or Jaheim Bell on that sweep to start with. I mean, I thought that was masterful. And uh, I'm going to give Georgia some credit here because Georgia. When you look at the way they used their running backs last year, um, I thought that was a great job. And, and they always at Georgia have a pretty crowded backfield. But they have different uh, backs that can do different things with different strengths. And, and they used them that way. And I, and I think while Carolina's backs are, are fundamentally different than those Georgia backs, uh, because, you, you, you know, Georgia didn't really have a guy like Juju McDowell and then, uh, this kid, Dante Little Turbo Miller, yeah. that, that a walk-on that transferred in from Columbia University, the, the pride of the Ivy League. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, also, also Dante Little Turbo's from Rockingham, North Carolina, where Melvin Ingram's from, by the way. So there, there's a little piece of walk-on trivia there. Uh, this guy's faster than Grease Lightning. I mean, and, and yeah, so he's quite a stir down there, uh, you know, to open up practice too. So yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt, you know, you, you read through what some of the other players are saying uh, and things like that. So, so this guy, little turbo, I mean, I'm like, well, shoot, shoot, you know, I mean, this guy could probably, uh, you know, make some things happen on the perimeter as well, just because of how fast he is. So mm-hmm. uh, nice game cut cut, by the way, Phil. I oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Way to represent with the, with the set pieces there. Got to do um, it. <laughs> I think I actually think in our house, we have a cup from uh, Memorial Stadium, and um, oh. in, in, in the, with the, the orange. What'd you call it? The orange haze, yeah, the, the orange fog, the orange, <laughs> orange. <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding about all that, but uh, not not really. Um, so anyway, uh. Yeah, I have a stadium cup, so I, I'm worried one day I'll just be absent-minded, and I'll have, pick up the orange cup, and and I'll because I'll have like a coke or something here, and then I'll catch a lot of crap, and that won't be pretty at all. So uh, right. I, don't, I don't know how that thing's been hauled around with me through all my moves and stuff, but it's just a just a nice little stadium cup, you know. You, you shoot, you pour your drink in it when nothing else is coming. I mean, the dishwasher. We live with with two teenage boys, so. Oh, sometimes the, uh, the, well, sometimes <laughs> the dishes pile the hell up. Yeah, no doubt. You know, and it's like, oh my god, you know, you're you're like just wanting anything, and it's, you're parched. And anyway, so so that's mm-hmm. kind of cool there. But back to the running backs, I I really, it's going to be interesting to me, Phil, to see how they all sort of fit in. And and I think it's unrealistic to have a six man running back rotation. <laughs> Yeah, if you get uh, six running backs, you don't have one, JC. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I, I do think I, I kind of see it setting up like this. This is just my gut. So you tell me, you you tell me what you think about this, Phil. Um, I, I think Lloyd will be the starter. I, I, when you hear things like Shane Beamer say Marshawn Lloyd's on a mission, right? Uh, that should probably scare opposing defenses. Uh, uh, I think that 
Lloyd, I've, I've said it many times, had bad luck last year. Uh, it seemed like every time he got on a roll, someone would miss a block and he'd just get lit up. Yeah. Also, and I'm not just, you know, taking everything and blaming it on the blocking. I, I think Marshawn, too, needed to get into a rhythm to get his confidence going, and he just never did. And so that that happened last season. Uh, I thought in the Eastern Illinois game, the first game of the year in particular, you know, he had 14 carries for, what, 55 yards and would break into the open field and almost look like, wow, well, what am I doing here? What, why am I, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and, and there was that slight pause. A little long run against Florida, he did too. It's and it, it's not necessarily hesitation, I think, a, a, as much as it was like uh indecision, right? Running backs have to be decisive with where they're going with the ball, good or bad, <laughs> you know. Yes. Um, and, and that's the deal there. So uh I think that uh Lloyd will have the, the and then I think Christian Bill Smith will be the number two back. Mm-hmm. I think. How, how people are, how do you use Juju McDowell and Little Turbo? I, th- I think you use those guys exactly like they did in the bowl. I mean, Juju yep. McDowell, pretty good at outside zone, uh, pretty good at those little flare passes. Uh, I don't know if Dante Miller can catch or not. Uh, I, I assume that he can, uh, but perimeter attacking the perimeter. Uh, you know, we remember, uh, I'll go back to the, the Urban Meyer teams at Florida when Dan Mullen was the OC. Uh, and they left some of these guys for uh, Charlie Weiss to OC at running back with, and it just didn't work. Chris Rainey and Jeff Demps, those two little speed demon backs they had. Uh, Florida didn't really have – they had a big back that started that was okay, and then those two guys would attack the perimeter along with Percy Harvin. Um, you know, this is obviously not uh, the uh, the Florida offense from – 2007. It's a different, totally different scheme. Uh, but I think with what they're trying to accomplish, you hear all the talk about the Rams, blah, blah, blah. You know, and we can discuss that. Obviously, Rams are a heavy outside zone team. So they they like to go attack outside and all that good stuff. Well, I think Juju McDowell and uh, Little Turbo, uh, you know, <laughs> I think those guys are, are perfect for that. And then I think with Rashad Amos, who, uh, that was kind of a secret injury last year. Uh, I, I, I didn't know he had hurt his hamstring until, uh, uh, you know, Beamer talked about it the other day. So good job keeping that quiet. And he redshirted, but then it, it, so you get kind of worried about a guy like that who's shown promise, who's young, who's behind some other talented guys. And people, obviously people are, well, he'll probably transfer. Well, lo and behold, no, he was, uh, he was injured last year. That's why he sidelined. And I felt, I, I felt Amos was going to be okay with one of the the weekly calls Beamer did last year when he said, uh, or when when Amos was named the uh, the scout team player of the week. I was like, well, he's out there practicing now, so he's fine. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't mysteriously vanished or anything like that. But you know, that's a guy Phil that's a bigger back that, that I thought had an impressive spring game. I thought he was impressive as a true freshman when he got carries. I think he's got a good burst. He's 225 pounds, 230. Um, you know, this is a guy you can use for the time being, kind of in an H-back, power-back, short yardage role, yep. uh, you know, and, and throwing the ball along with, like, the DJ Twitty kid from Chapman, the walk-on, the transfer from East Tennessee that looked like a bowling ball in the spring game. You know, I mean, I, and I'm not saying Rashad Amos is a blocker, uh, like just a pure blocker. I'm saying that 
if you're using multiple backs, you know, and, and you got to kind of carve out a niche for him, you could do that. This is what Georgia did last year with their backs. I don't think they quite had four, but they had they had three they used all the time. And then the the fourth kid, Milton, would get in late, and he's going to be their starter this year, I think. So, uh, you know, it, 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 it's 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 a it's a good problem to have, mm-hmm. uh, I think, when you're when you're talking about you know, multiple guys, and, you know, in case there's an injury, you know, you still have some depth and some guys that can tote the rock. Um, but it's fascinating to me. Uh, I would be, I would love to get inside the mind of Marcus Satterfield uh, for a number of reasons, but uh, also <laughs> with, uh, with, um, you know, with regards to this, I mean, it's just, it's just going to be really fascinating to me to see kind of how everybody gets used in terms of carries. And then you're going to, you're going to give the ball to Jaheim Bell from, from scrimmage too, Phil. Right, yeah, you're splitting carries with a, a tight end. Yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of weird. So um, Bell Bell is a uh, Bell is a what a, a wide back, a wide back, yeah, the wide wide back. Okay, uh-huh. all right, we got Chris coming up here in nine minutes from the Spurs Up show, um, and we're going to get to the Nana's porch chat line. Uh, don't forget SEC Mike in the second hour, Mike Bratton from that SEC podcast. Craig and Brian were in there, and Rodney. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Craig has a question. Is Cam Scott uh, 2023 or 2024? Um, he's 2024. Four, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, the kid from – he's from Lexington, uh, 2024 uh, prospect, and certainly is a enormous target for Lamont Paris and the Gamecocks. Um you know, having Gigi uh, in the fold, uh, and, and I got a question for the for the masses out there later about Gigi Jackson, top of second hour, I think. Uh, we'll, we'll launch that out. Um, you know, so I, I think that uh, obviously massive target uh, is going to be, uh, you know, going to be pretty good, pretty good. Um, Nail, uh, that, that's not Freeman, man. The, uh, Chris is not Freeman, not the same guy. Uh, Brian says, do you have the most important game this season? I think all of them. Georgia State, I don't know, Phil. <laughs> you got to start off strong. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. Kind of scary from a uh, defensive perspective, too, with the questions in the run game last year. Going yeah, up against Georgia. Georgia State had the eighth-ranked rushing offense in the country last year. Arkansas had the seventh, right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think this, I, I think you, if you're the Gamecocks and you're kind of looking, you know, while there still are divisions, you, you're looking because the divisions are going to go bye bye here in a couple of years. Uh, you're looking for upward mobility, right? Uh, you're mm-hmm. looking to climb and you're looking to reverse some of these losing streaks against programs that, I mean, you know, it's one thing to have a losing streak against Georgia or Clemson with, with where their program's at right now. Uh, it's quite another to have a three game losing streak against Missouri. Right. You yeah, know, I mean, and, and and no offense to Eli Drinkwitz in that program, um, but South Carolina routinely was beating Missouri and routinely was beating Tennessee. Tennessee's got a better history and tradition than the Gamecocks, but the past, you know, 15 years, they've vir- virtually been the same. The Gamecocks have been a little bit better, you know, if you, if you want to count big seasons. So, um, you know, that's the whole thing there. Uh, you know, it's, I think Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, uh, I would circle those as games the Gamecocks definitely need to win. Uh, Nana's Porch chat line rolls on. Quantrell knows. 
says saw, saw Shane Beamer touch on how they don't get to scrimmage other teams in college football. Any reason as to why they don't NFL college basketball and others do. Yeah, uh, man, I'd love that if, if it would happen. Um, there's been all kinds of ideas. Maybe the spring game is a scrimmage between, you know, an FCS team and somebody, um, you know, the problem with like getting together with Georgia tech and, and, and scrimmaging uh, is that, uh, the climate we live in, uh, it, it's like so results oriented. I mean, you know, Frank Martin lost an exhibition game to Augusta college. Like, gosh, it was the year they went 16 and 16 and, and kind of rallied to finish fourth in the sec, but had a terrible, uh, start to the year. Uh, so I guess I, that was prophetic in a lot of ways, but you know, everybody wanted to fire him for losing the exhibition game. I mean, you go, let's say you go out and you scrimmage. Um, let's say they scrimmaged, you know, Georgia Tech and the Gamecocks uh, have their first string in and are up 21 nothing. Okay. And then by the time you get in the fourth quarter, the Gamecocks are playing walk ons and, and those Tech walk ons are just a little bit more uh, in tune with what's going on than the Gamecocks. And uh, Tech ends up winning 31 30. People are going to want to fire Shane Beamer for losing the scrimmage. I mean, you know, that that's the problem is that, you know, you keep scoring those things. And so I, I think that's why coaches in college have stayed, have stayed away from them. Uh, the injury factors there too, but, but you're right, Quantrell. I mean, this is the only sport where you don't have a practice game, um, you know, and, and I think with all the, all the uh, attention uh, on football and the fact you have so many people within a program even if you kept it under lock and key, super secret information on that thing is going to leak. I mean, there's just too many people that, that have to be it's in the stadium, yeah. you know? And, and so that, that's what you don't want to do, uh, you know, but I, I get it. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I, I wish it wasn't that way, but it, it's such a passionate sport and we just don't have anything to hold on to, you know, uh, 350 days a year. I mean, we have what we have at the most 15 game days, right? And mm -hmm. that's only if you win the national play for the national championship uh, and have to play for a conference title. Most, most, most of the time, it's you know, get your guaranteed 12 and you get 13. Well, what do we do the other 352 days out of the year? We talk about the roster, we talk about recruiting, we talk about the depth pick chart. Apart. Yeah, uh, and, yeah we, 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 we pick apart the spring game, we pick apart any kind of scrimmage information we got. You know, you go play a team and you lose. I can just see it now, you know, so and so fired after loss in a scrimmage, you know, in the preseason. <laughs> you know, so anyway, but that's a great question, Quattro. I wish they would do it. I wish there was some way they could do it without the re maybe they do it like uh ASO soccer and don't keep score. Like for the little kids, do they still not yeah, keep score yeah, with right, the yeah. little kids? Uh, we're just gonna go out and have fun and knock the hell out of each other for two hours. Let's just about <laughs> fun. That's we right. serve we serve orange slices after the scrimmage, no scorekeeping. Oh, you know, great. yeah, right. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> All right, we got to get our first break. Uh, Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up Show coming up to join us uh, to give his take on the forthcoming Gamecock season. If you haven't listened to Chris in a while, I would encourage you to stick around. Uh, he's been dropping some good stuff here for about like the last eight nine months. I've been following it closely. Excited to have him on. Uh, we'll be back inside the Gamecocks the show. After these messages, I mean, I'm going to keep saying after these messages, kind of after like the car message. After these messages. <laughs> Gust is your State Farm agent. 
Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, if you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are, Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell if you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Game. Family Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention, attention, golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all 
ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20 plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter at Mer Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. All right, we're back. Uh, joined by Chris Phillips of the uh, Spurs Up Show. Chris, how's it going, man? JC, what's up, man? Phil, what's going on? Doing Hope you well. all are doing well, and I, I appreciate you having me. Good. Yeah, I, I know I, I kind of didn't hit that break soon enough, so uh, we'll have to go a little longer next time. I know you got to be off here in about 17 minutes, but I, I've, I've been following your stuff, and I uh, – I take it you're enthusiastic about this coming season. Um, you know, you've got some good takes and, and some good reasons why. Uh, am I correct in that, or is it uh, – uh, just give me your basic take uh, on, like, the excitement or the the the, uh, the feel about this coming year. Yeah, JC, I joke with people I wouldn't put Shane Beamer or Spencer Rattler's name on merchandise if I wasn't uh, excited about them and behind them 110%. But, no, I'm pumped, and I, I tell people all the time, I think Gamecock fans, you know, I'm, I'm sure – we try to preach perspective and let people understand, hey, it's just year two, you know, this thing. It wasn't a rebuild when Beamer took over, but he's building the program actively, obviously, in recruiting, and it's going to take classes on classes on classes to get this thing where we all want it to go. But if you're a Gamecock fan, I mean, how can you not be fired up? And you should be excited, and I certainly am, and it starts at the quarterback position with Spencer Rattler when you have a guy like that. You know, we all saw the, the hype and the hoopla, and I think it took some of us by surprise that level of hype at SEC Media Days. When you got a gunslinger like that and you've got the dude at quarterback for the first time in about a decade, I mean, that's really where it stems from. So, again, how can you not be excited? You saw Shane Beamer, Clayton White, this entire staff do more with less last year. You know, on the defensive side, J.C. and Phil, I think you could look at and say Clayton White's got a more talented unit this year than he had last year, arguably. So, um, obviously, the schedule's daunting. It is every year. Who cares? It is what it is. You're in the SEC. But, uh, you know, I I think – Overachieving in year one, winning your bowl game. You know, it's so funny. The bowl games don't matter, crowd. The, uh, you know, the, I, I would argue that Mayo Bowl result would certainly go against that narrative because I think certainly that's changed the entire outlook of the preseason and just the positive momentum and the energy and the last taste in Gamecock fans' mouth was was a positive one. So <clears throat> again, you go into this year and and obviously the infectious energy and momentum that Shane Beamer has and what they're doing in recruiting. You couple all that together. And how can you not be excited? See, I'm extremely hopeful. Again, I, I try to keep myself in check in regards to, hey, it is just year two. There's still question marks with this football team. And so I think it's unrealistic. You know, I, I've said before, there's three ways to look at this season. There's the pessimistic view. There's the garnet glasses view. And then there's just a realistic, logical view. And I try to fall in that middle category as much as possible, which some people love, some people hate, some people are indifferent. But I, I try to remind myself, you know, it is year two. But this just, JC, as you pointed out before, this just isn't your typical year two. You know, when you add a guy like Spencer Rattler and Antoine Wells and Terrell Dawkins and Devonnie Reed, and the list goes on and on. And South Carolina was able to arguably better than any team in college football, utilize the transfer portal, their advantage. And you just look at the roster. It's night and day different from last year. And again, it starts at that quarterback position. So listen, man, I'm fired up. I'm excited. It's going to be a long, uh, a long 26 days until kickoff. It's going to be a fun, exciting season. And the opportunity is there for South Carolina, I think, to be – Sort of like last year's Arkansas. You know, why not take college football by storm if you can hit eight wins? God forbid, nine. You know what I mean? I still think if you go seven and five and 
maybe you pull an upset here or there, and you know, depending on how you win, it could still be a very successful season if you can get an eighth in a bowl game. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're a Gamecock fan and you're not excited, I would question if you have a pulse because there is a lot. Yeah. About <laughs> right. <it>. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. I, you know that that bowl, Chris. Um, and look, I, I think sometimes bowls, you know, like tech, uh, a few years ago, Alabama lost in the Sugar Bowl to Utah, right? Mm. You know, did that hurt? Nah, it didn't hurt them that much. But, but sometimes, you know, depending on who you play uh, and all that, I, I think that it's it's good because I think, uh, you know, the North Carolina matchup's important. It's important for the University of South Carolina to beat them in sports, you know? Mm. Uh and then the things that happened, the things that we didn't see uh, always during the season. Carolina ran the ball 182 yards by Kevin Harris, 310 on the ground. Uh, Carolina threw the ball deep. Jaheim Bell, five catches, 159 yards, whatever, set the tone. They stopped the run on, on defense. Sam Howell had, what, 10 yards rushing? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think the, the, the opponent and the things that happened in that game, and again, double-digit underdog. I mean, Carolina yeah. won three games. They were like, at least a 12 point underdog. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's kind of what's facilitated this. And then all the recruiting, all the momentum, all the positivity. Uh, and then Spencer Rattler <laughs> comes in, you know, um, and that's uh, Chris, did you catch any of the clips on, uh, on Instagram of him chunking the ball down the field the other day at practice? I mean, it's just I, I did practice, see that, yeah. but it's beautiful. I mean, <clears throat> the, the kid has an arm. <clears throat> what do you, what do you take away from, you know, He's got critics, right? Just right. like everybody. Uh, what do you take from some of the criticism? And uh, what do you think uh, happens with him this year individually in, in terms of uh, performance? I think a lot of it's lazy, to be honest with you. Um, listen, I understand what happened last year in Norman. He lost his starting job. But the level of criticism, criticism that he's gotten from people – it's sort of baffling to me. And I think it's a lot of, honestly, what I think it is, it's a lot of rival fans and those that, you know, the, 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 the insecure self-identify themselves in all walks of life. And I think a lot of people just see the Gamecocks, good things, positive things happening for them. And they want to, to shoot it down or demean it in any way they can. And so they look at a guy and all they say is, well, he lost his starting job. And let's not act like he lost his starting job to some, some Joe Blow freshman. This was Caleb Williams, by the way. And, and why are we not giving more credence to what Rattler has said about the situation in Norman that he said openly and publicly, yeah, it was toxic. I mean, most people feel like Lincoln Riley had one foot out the door and he was ready to go to Southern Cal from the jump. Nobody's buying that he just didn't talk to them and didn't know anything that was going on. So when I look at Spencer Rattler, and I've made this point time and time again, and I'll say it yet again on these airways, Gamecock fans are not fired up and excited because they think, well, now we've got a quarterback that's going to go win the Heisman, or he's going to be first-team All-American, even first-team All-Conference. Gamecock fans, understandably so, are fired up and excited because Spencer Rattler is so much better than anybody they had at the position last year or for the last six, seven, eight years. That's why Gamecock fans are excited. Now, I'm expecting a big year from Spencer Rattler. You know, the question that we've had on our airwaves is, you know, will he break that single-season passing yards total that Dylan Thompson set in 2014? <laughs> I think the 3,600 or whatever, I think that's a little aggressive. I'd like to think that South Carolina is going to be a much more balanced football team than that 2014 team was, right? They're going to want to run the football. They're going to be more that pro-style type of offense. And you hope that Rattler does not have to throw it that much. You, you hope that <laughs> offensive line is ready to pave the way a little bit. Um, that would be my concern if, if you're throwing yeah. for that many yards, man. Right. Well, you're uh, down, you're down in a lot of football games, too, just like that 2014 team was. I mean, yes. they, had to, they had to throw their way out of a lot of 14 and 21 point deficits <laughs> because that defense 
was so bad. Um, <laughs> but you know, and, and also defense. too, I I think with that that passing yards total, honestly, it, it's just way too aggressive to say that the offense is going to go from being ranked what 116th nationally to all of a sudden they're going to have a guy throw for 4,000 yards. But yeah, I, I, I do think Spencer Rattler. I think we might look back and say what happened last year. Norman was the best thing that ever happened to him in regards to humbling him a little bit you know again I, I think it's just so lazy when people point to well he's a bad teammate look at the qb1 documentary that was like four years ago like the guy was like 17 like he's a if, kid if, man right if we had film when everybody when they were 17 and kids and they were not like there'd be a lot of people we'd be talking I, crap about probably, I, pray, right? I, pray, I thank god every day we didn't have facebook and twitter <laughs> yeah. when i was in college man yeah. Phil, could you Phil, Phil and I, we, we were kind of hanging out back then, dude. Okay, you know? We're both glad that those weren't recorded. <laughs> we're just so happy and thankful. I'm just thankful, thankful, you know, that that, that yeah. never occurred. I, I joked with Garcia last week that thank goodness Snapchat and Instagram and all that was. He was like, "Yeah, thank God," because I yeah. would have been all over the place. I would have went viral on a weekly basis. But no, I mean to answer your question though, JC, I think that uh, I think Rattler is set for a really, really good year. You know, I think a lot of the question mark is how much help is he going to get from the weapons around him? Um, because even with the addition of a guy like Wells, you know, I still have questions about the wide receiver room as a whole in regards to depth. You know, you just it's just a question when a guy's coming into the SEC from a different level. And I look at Wells and yeah. Rucker and two guys that I'm really excited about, but it's just like what type of impact will they have? They're going to play. They're going to have an impact. But, you know, you're not going up against the, the defensive backs you saw at James Madison or Arkansas State. No. Hey, this is the SEC. No. So, yeah, I think I think Josh Van and Jaheim Bell, though, are both poised for really, really big years. Obviously, adding Stogner, it's funny. He's sort of like the forgotten guy because he didn't participate yeah. in spring practice. Could be one of the better tight ends in the SEC. I think it could be an all-conference guy. All comes back to the offensive line. You know, I think if they give Rattler time and give him some sort of a running game, um, you know, I, I think the sky's the limit. But I, I do expect a, a a very successful year for him. And I'll tell you this, JC, because we're going to be talking quarterbacks on our podcast Friday. And, you know, you talk about what spells a successful season. And people want to label, well, this many touchdown passes, this many yards, even this many wins. For me, it all comes down to as long as Spencer Rattler is getting selected in the draft next spring, he had a successful year. Because you know what? He played good football. And for the Gamecocks, it'll be the first time since 1989 Todd Ellis got picked that they had a quarterback drafted. So as long as he's getting drafted, listen, what's good for Spencer Rattler is good for South Carolina. And I think he will have a productive year again. I think he got humbled last year. I think he's got that chip on his shoulder. I think the team, again, of Beamer, Rattler, and you hope Marcus Satterfield is ready to have his best season as a play caller. But I am expecting a good year for Rattler. I mean, Rattler's the reason I picked Carolina in a couple games this season. I heard you talking yesterday, JC, on uh, the Tito's and Chicken podcast. I mean, I've got the Gamecocks beating Kentucky. And simply put, one of my biggest reasons, I think Rattler will outduel Levis. And whether it's fair, unfair, if Spencer Rattler's the guy I think he is, Spencer Rattler doesn't lose to Kentucky. I'm sorry. I just I, And I know that's maybe not giving enough credit to what Stoops and them have done. He's done a fantastic job building the program. But to some degree, again, the game comes down to quarterback play. And yeah. Gamecocks didn't get enough of it last year. And so I think yeah. there will be a game or two this season. Again, he can't do it all himself. But when you have a guy like that, I think there will be a game or two this year where Spencer Rattler sort of puts the team on his back. You know yeah, I, mean? I, I think I, Kentucky, yeah. it's, it's very important quarterback play. I mean, you, you're up yeah. – uh, I mean, Jake Bentley – in 2018, up there had probably the worst game of his career, and it, it cost the Gamecocks in that game dearly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and and yeah. Carolina just, uh, you know, in that series, it seems like they just have not had. Number one, they give up a ton of rushing yards against those guys. Number two, they can't run the ball against those guys. So, and then and then Doty last year, I thought performed 
admirably some of the things that happened in the game last year against Kentucky weren't his fault. But, uh, yeah, you're right. And quarterback play makes all the difference in the world. I mean, those are the guys that make the plays when the game's on the line, right? Which makes which makes year one of Beamer that much more impressive. When I mean, I, yeah. I, the stat I heard yeah. from Satterfield mm-hmm. was crazy. I don't know if you guys heard this, too. I'm sure you did. But that nine different players threw a pass last year for South Carolina. <laughs> I mean, that's like baffling. Yeah. That's yeah, baffling. including did he mention Jordan Birch uh, throwing that pass? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, anyway, I, you know that was that was the worst play call I'd ever seen in my life <laughs> until <laughs> until Mike Bobo ran a play action on fourth and one when he had Tank Bigsby in the backfield. Yeah, that's I mean, right. from his own like thirty-seven yards. Yeah, that uh, yeah. that that Auburn play call <laughs> that, was that, that one blew out. my that mind. Was, that thanks, was Mike. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Mike. Thank thanks, you, Mike. Mike. Yeah, thanks, Mike. 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 Anyway, uh, okay, so uh, wrap it up here with Chris Phillips of the Spurs. Up show. Uh, don't forget if you want to catch the Spurs Up show, uh, it comes on here uh, and, and we overlap by an hour, but be sure to check it out um, at, at the Spurs Up show on Twitter. Uh, I can give you all the information there. Uh, so, Brian from the Nana's Porch chat line, right, uh, says, Does Chris have a most important game this year? Uh, I'll feel bad if it's Kentucky because we just talked about that one, but uh, go ahead and <laughs> take it away, man. Yeah, no, it's actually not Kentucky. I think that one is the biggest inflection point of the season because, again, I heard you guys talking about the schedule yesterday. We actually just posted a clip about, you know, I think Carolina to reach a seven-win or more season, which is kind of the target, right, seven wins or more this year. Uh, I think you got to start four and two or better. I I just think it's asking a lot of this football team to go into the bye week three and three. You got A&M looming. You're going to be possibly 0-4 in SEC play to think they're going to rattle off four straight SEC wins. It's possible. I'm not saying it's not possible, but I think it's more realistic. Split either Arkansas or Kentucky. I mean, maybe pull the upset against Georgia, but realistically split one of those two games. So I see it being the inflection point. For me, the most important game of the season uh, is the home date against Missouri. And, and some people might look at that in bulk. And when I look at most important game, JC and Phil, I'm say, I say, what is the game South Carolina can't lose and have a good year? Because what last mm. year proves, I mean, yeah. and I granted, they lost to Missouri last year, don't get me wrong, but I, I just look at this schedule. You can lose to Arkansas. You can lose to Georgia. You can lose to Kentucky. You can lose to Tennessee. Obviously, A&M, Clemson, it does not wreck your year. Now, obviously, you don't want to lose to all the teams I just mentioned, but no. you can lose those <laughs> games individually, and it will not, like, wreck your season. I know a lot of folks are putting all their stock in that Arkansas game, and I understand being excited for it, but I would just caution people, you know, don't throw the season away if Carolina goes to Fayetteville and loses to the Razorbacks. That, that wouldn't be a game to be ashamed about in a close loss on the road. But I just look at that Mizzou game. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's the Missouris and the Kentuckys of the world that you need to start beating on a consistent basis. And you look at Kentucky, hey, in Lexington, you're going to be an underdog most likely. Again, there will be no shame in losing that ball game, at least from a conference-wide or even a national perspective. Mm-hmm. But Missouri has a three-game winning streak against you. And, and I would argue last year's loss to Mizzou was the most baffling loss of the season. I, I thought so, about, too. I, I'm yeah, with you there. We're, we're talking about – we're talking about a Mizzou defense that ranked 14th in the SEC in rushing defense. They gave up like 227 yards per game, and you ran for 56 yards. 250 game, total yards in that right, game. Right, right, right. It's homecoming as well. Uh, to me, that's just one that, again, just because you beat Mizzou doesn't mean you're going to win nine or ten games this year. But if you lose to Missouri, I think that guarantees that you you had a porous season. You're, yeah. you're fighting to get the six wins. It's just one you have to have. And I know for a lot of people, it's it's a kick in, check it off. And normally for me, it probably would be. But the fact of the matter again is, again, you've lost three straight to them. So it's like, how can you just throw it in the win bucket? I, I mean, you know, again, you look at last year, you're coming off this huge win against Florida. 
and it, and it just, and I hate to say this, some people will hate it, but it felt like the most just Gamecock game of all where you follow up a big win with a mind-blowing, mind-numbing loss. So yes. you, you just, you got to take care, you got to take care of business against Mizzou and because you're talking about building this program and the trajectory. And I think SEC East hierarchy is really important. Again, it will hurt. It will sting. And I've made this point before that being head coach of the Gamecocks, there are many things you can get away with Losing to Kentucky on a yearly basis is just not something this fan base can stomach. Yeah. Right? But you look at their program, what they've done, got to go on the road. Lexington's been a tough place to play. I could live with it. I don't think anybody can live with a loss to Missouri on your home field. So for no. me, that, that's the one. And, and I labeled, you know, just going back to last year, my logic, I labeled East Carolina the most important game last year. And, and again, it wasn't oh, because that makes sense. It, it wasn't because you beat ECU, you're going to win 10 games. But again, it's like, what game do you have to win? Yeah, you can't lose a chance, it. Yeah, you know, that's have exactly. a chance at a season. So for me, this year, it is that Missouri game. Yeah, Missouri, of course. Eli Drinkwitz is 3-0 and against the Gamecocks. And, uh, Going back ev- to Appalachian State. Yeah, lets ev- <laughs> he, let, he lets everybody know it, too. You know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's a, he's kind of a – Drinkwitz is sort of a, a smack talker. You know, he's yeah. a little like the like a, like a young yeah. Spurrier. And, J- and J.C. and Phil, I was just going to say, you know, Missouri is just one of the many trends and streaks that South Carolina football needs to fix this year. Yes. I mean, it's, it's crazy yeah. how many teams South Carolina has a negative streak or trend against. So yes. like, a couple uh, yeah. of those have got to get snapped. A couple yeah, of those they, have got to get snapped. They snapped the uh, – they had a weird uh, losing streak for season openers. Snapped that last year. Yeah. Snapped the – thank God, the North Carolina uh, – teams from North Carolina losing streak. They're back on a winning streak right. there. But, um, yeah, there are some – yeah, especially yeah. those divisional games. Chris, mm-hmm. really appreciate it, man. It was it, – uh, that woke me up. This segment did. So I'm, I'm fired up now, man. It's I appreciate you coming on. Looking forward to being on with you uh, later this week. And uh, we'll make a habit of this. All right. Yeah, man. JC, I was going to say, I appreciate you having me on. Phil, appreciate you having me on as well. And again, yes, JC, I'm look, looking forward to getting you on every Thursday, man. I think it's yeah. going to be an awesome segment of content and and uh, fire everybody up, you know, as we get into the season. So appreciate you guys. All for right. real. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Take Chris care. Phillips, Take care. the Y'all Spurs Up Show. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at the Spurs Up Show at CPhilly19. Is his other Twitter account? Boy, that was fun. Yeah, man. You know, I mean, yeah, people, I, I like that. That's uh, he's got some good takes and uh, very, uh, very good on, on that. I, I agree completely. Losing to Missouri would be bad. You know, like like it's seen in Ghostbusters where it's like that would be bad. That would be fuzzy, bad. Yeah, <laughs> fuzzy on this whole good bad thing, Ray. <laughs> I'm about you know? Twinkie. Yeah, but he, what about the Twinkie? You tell <laughs> yeah, about tell the Twinkie. About <laughs> uh, that's a ghostbusters reference all right so um yeah so this is uh again our number one of inside the game cost the show mike bratton from that sec podcast coming up next man uh fired up about mike and uh just fired up about all our guests in general man and uh gonna take you now to the i help consulting mailbag dun 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 there's two ways to get an i help consulting mailbag uh number one you can tweet at us uh, at the Big Spur Pod, and we've got one from Gamecock Pastor on Twitter, and then we've got a question from Noah, uh, and we got about you know ten minutes before the top of the hour break, and yeah. uh, we're gonna we're gonna address these. JC and Phil, outside of Juju, who in the twenty twenty one class do you think has the best chance of seeing the field a lot this year? Uh, so we're talking about uh, high schoolers, Noah, or. Because, uh, like, Jordan Strawn is probably a starter. David Spalding's probably a starter. Marion Brown's going to play a lot. But all those are portal guys. I think you're talking about high school. Um, yeah, look, yeah, I mean, you know, that, Nick, Harris, 
Well, it was a small – yeah, Nick Barrett. Yeah. Uh, and Nick Nick and TJ, I think, mm-hmm. the, the two defensive linemen uh, are in line to play. Uh, you know, I, I think Colby Fields probably would have played. Uh, you know, Marcellus Dial is going to play a lot, but that's a JUCO. So, you know, if you're talking about uh, other high schoolers from that class, right now I would say just the high schoolers because I know that's probably what you're asking about. Uh, outside of Juju, I – I think it'd be TJ and or Nick. I, I I think Carolina's deep at D tackle this year. They're going to rotate them. I'd be surprised if those guys don't get snaps um, in different areas. Uh, you know, sort of maybe like Boogie Huntley and Hemingway did last year a little bit. I don't know because uh, you got a lot of guys. I mean, you've got uh, Zach Pickens, you've got Boogie Huntley, you've got MJ Webb, you've got uh, Tonka Hemingway, you've got uh, TJ Sanders, you got Nick Barrett. So you. They've got a lot of D tackles. And then this young kid, DeAndre Martin, who was a wide receiver in high school. Uh, and then just kind of, <laughs> I guess you, you talk about reshaping your body, you know, <laughs> that's a little different, you know. Uh, you know, now, now look, I, I want to clarify that. He, he was a wide receiver early in high school and then he became a defensive lineman. Uh, but obviously, athletically, that guy's a freak. Uh, and he's coming up. Demetrius Watson from Fort Dorchester has a bright future at D tackle. Um, you know, that's why this year, you know, I, I think the Gamecocks are only going to take two on the interior, three if they get a special one, right, and like an oversigned guy, because uh, they're pretty good off there. So that that's that's who I would say, Noah, from a um, a, uh, a high school standpoint, a high school standpoint. Um, Timothy, got your not for air uh, question, and I'll, I'll I'll get that in the mail, man. Get that in the mail. Good eye, Mike. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the bobby. So uh, Gamecock Pastor comes in and says, and he is very prolific, Phil. Uh, we got to give a shout-out to Gamecock Pastor. Oh, yeah, I love Gamecock Pastor, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually lives up in your neck of the woods in the upstate oh. of South Carolina. So um, he says, how does this O-line class compare to those you've seen over the years following and covering Gamecock recruiting? And how does a strong O-line class such as this rank as a predictor of future success at any program? Oh, well, um, for the Gamecocks, I feel like, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm almost, I'm a little speechless here because I'm, I'm trying to remember like the AJ can class. Right. Um, that's exactly where my head went was who but, else was in that class. Yeah. yeah well, a, all right. So AJ can, that was, that was Wolford's like, class that uh his only class the first time around so aj can ronald patrick played in the nfl Corey robinson was a draft pick was in that class um you know other than that you you, you probably had in the next class uh you know uh, brandon shell in in 2011 he came in with clowning uh i believe and so shell and can were were Obviously, two really good ones, and and Shell still still in the National Football League. Um, so you look back on those classes recently. Now I could go back and research it and go to the '80s and kind of see because uh, the '80s had some good offensive line classes. <laughs> um, I, I think that at times when you looked at what Holtz had uh, on offense on the offensive line with you know some very Laurel Johnson and those guys, Brad Scott had a pretty good kind of backfilled him with good offensive linemen. You had guys like Shane Hall, too, that he brought in back in the day. So I'm thinking, uh, you know, I, I, I on paper, I mean, Phil, I, I, 
I think this is about as good as it's been, you I mean, know, it, in terms of, awesome. of, of highly rated offensive linemen, yeah. um, just, you know, stars and, and whatever. Now I'll caution you. You say, does what, is it a predictor of future success in a way it is because you always want to make sure you hit your numbers on the offensive line and you want quality. And the game guys have a lot of that and a lot of athleticism and a lot of upside with these five guys. Um, but it's also kind of a crapshoot, this position. Uh, this position, you look at the NFL draft, I think uh, several of the first however many offensive linemen taken in the draft last year were like, all of them had a story. Like one was, I think, from Sweden and kind of went to <laughs> Davidson College and then transferred and all of it. I mean, it was, it was weird. It was weird. Um, NC State got like a, one of those three-star kids from North Carolina. That kid that got drafted high for them was not a decorated recruit. Um, but you know, I've seen, uh, you know, at like places Sam Pittman's been before Arkansas, you know, and, and at Arkansas the first time, uh, when he recruits at a high level, uh, it, it works. Georgia, you know, is an example of a lot of guys with a lot of high star ratings, uh, having a pretty good offensive line. Um, I'm not predicting, uh, Georgia type success, right? I'm just saying, uh, this is a good nucleus and Gamecock pastor. The other thing about it is, it's not so much these five uh, as then you look down the road to next year and, and you've got Josiah Thompson and Cam Pringle within the state. Right yeah, here at home. You know, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I just, uh, and those guys, I, there's, uh, it's been since Brandon Shell, I think, since a, a, a no brainer offensive lineman like that was in the state. Uh, or two of them tackle pure tackle types, you know, Marky Anderson's good. Uh, Monroe Freeling, there's mixed opinions on, but he's good. I mean, he's a blue chip recruit, obviously. Um, you know, guys like Jordan McFadden from Dorman who have gone to Clemson, who they flipped from Virginia tech late. Uh, he ends up, he ended up playing pretty good. I mean, he's, he's a really good player for them. So uh, there's guys that aren't highly rated that do pan out from the state. And, and Phil, here's another interesting nugget as we continue on toward the top of the hour. Uh, I did like a draft analysis of players from South Carolina who have gotten drafted from the University of South Carolina the last uh, 20 years. And there's been actually a ton of offensive linemen, (laughs) you know, uh, in state, you know, and some of my buddies that that are in the recovery, they're not, they're not necessarily fired up about, uh, especially offensive linemen from the upstate, you know, they kind of have their, their geography that they like in terms of, you know, who's a good O lineman and who's not. But I, I was surprised at that, Phil. I was surprised that the Gamecocks uh, had put, you know, had that many offensive linemen drafted. Well, when you think about what success we've had, I mean, it, it, it kind of correlates, you know, especially if you're in the past 10 years, you know, you're going to have yeah. good offensive lines if you're, you know, playing in Atlanta or getting close. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's never going to be perfect there at that position. All right, top of the hour break here on Inside the Game Custom Show. Thanks to Chris Phillips for the Spurs Up Show for joining us today. That was a very energetic, awesome segment with a lot of good insight i think um and we're going to get even more insight talk a little sec with at sec podcasts mike bratton uh coming on also we've got uh we've got the uh the uh chat line nano sports chat line we're going to answer uh and more of your mailbag questions once again inside the game guys at gmail.com hour one was sponsored by cindy bass sear foss we'll have hour two for you right after these messages 
If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Let's say you need catering. You need a food truck. You just need to get some delicious food to feed some people. Nana's Porch is the place for you. I've known Chris, the owner, for years now. Uh, They helped with the Big Spur Golf Tournament. 
uh, catering it. It was delicious. I highly encourage you uh, to go visit nanasporch.com. That's nanasporch.com right now uh, to take a look at their services, their menu items, everything you may need for your event, the professionalism, the food, the taste. Uh, it's unrivaled. Uh, in this space. 336-259-7550 is the phone number. Or again, go to nanasports.com. Uh, we talk about them all the time. They uh, sponsor the chat line here on the podcast, but uh, wanted to tell you about it right here, straight from JC. Tell them JC sent you, uh, and please support this Gamecock-owned and operated business. Also a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. All right, back Hour number two of Inside the Gamecock Show, sponsored by the Burgesson team, Remax at the Lake. We certainly appreciate them. Uh, you got residential real estate in upstate South Carolina. They sponsored the first hour. Commercial real estate throughout the Palmetto State uh, in the second hour. So uh, if you're into commercial real estate, give them a call. Uh, certainly very happy that they are a, a sponsor of the podcast. Phil, all right, so I, I probably texted this to you, uh, maybe your wife. I don't, I don't remember who yesterday. So, all right, they're remaking Roadhouse. I saw that. <laughs> Just leave well enough alone at this point, JC. I mean, come on. <laughs> all, right. all right, so with with Jake Gyllenhaal, okay, <laughs> and look, I, I, Jake Gyllenhaal is a pretty good actor. You know, uh, I don't hate him. I mean, his movies are. But Jake Gyllenhaal, <laughs> I mean, you know, why are you, why are you, why are you doing it? I mean, why, why? I mean, I just, I can't, uh, you know, I, I was beside myself. I saw it on, online. I saw it on Facebook and I thought it was a meme. I thought it was a joke. Right. <laughs> but because, because Jake Gyllenhaal sitting there and he, he <laughs> excuse me. He looks like a young John Bon Jovi in this picture, not like a Patrick Swayze guy. <laughs> right. right. So, so, so Patrick Swayze historically is one of my favorite actors, and uh, I'm, I'm, what happened to him was sad. And you know, we all miss Patrick Swayze, don't we? We, mm-hmm. we miss him. Uh, he made some quality flicks. So it was bad enough that they redid Point Break. That new Point Break sucked, bahunkus. Okay. Oh, I didn't even catch that one, JC. I, yeah, I didn't even. I, I wasn't even going to watch it. I just no. watched about ten minutes of it at the beginning, called it on while somebody else had it on, and then I was like, "This movie sucks." Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't. I don't care what anybody has to say about you. Didn't give it a chance. Okay, I, I knew enough to know that sucked. Okay, the new Red Dawn was even worse. <laughs> um, and, and, and it's hard to mess up Red Dawn because you're talking about a, a, a you know. An apocalyptic invasion of the United States by a foreign country. I mean, that's hard to screw up, Phil. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, and, and so, you know, you 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 remake Point Break. I mean, you're how are you going to remake Point Break, dude? I mean, the extra. <laughs> I mean, and, and then and, and so then I see this, and that just that was the last straw. That was the last straw to me. They're trying to erase Patrick Swayze with just garbage. Uh, you know, and uh, Hollywood needs some new ideas, man. Uh, I, I think all the, the good ideas are going to like TV, like streaming services. Yeah, it's all now. streaming now, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like a, a 10 part <laughs> series and stuff. Uh, and all the bad ideas, you know, outside of Marvel, 
And then, of course, uh, Top Gun Maverick, which was, you know, which was not just a movie. It was like an event, I think, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> um, and, and was actually great. You know, that movie, no problem with that. Hollywood just, there's just nothing out there. There's just, there's nothing there. I mean, there's, there's just, it's just like, I, I wonder, you know, who some of these people are that make these decisions and who the hell thought it was a good idea to remake Roadhouse with freaking Jake Gyllenhaal when you've already uh, taken a, dump all over point break and red dawn <laughs> yeah but at least you could get sam elliott to still play the same character because he looks the exact same as he did he like does. hey sam elliott looks exact same age he's he's timeless That's sam right. elliott very timeless so anyway uh just wanted to vent about that a little bit because i just uh i'm extremely pissed off uh, cause, cause I, you know, I, it, it, I didn't find out it was real. I, I texted to a friend of mine who's like in the, you know, filmmaking world, you know? And I said, well, I, I was like, this has to be a joke. He's like, no, 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 it's happening. No. Like, <laughs> I mean, who greenlit this man? You know, I mean, who, what, what are they doing when they make decisions? It's like, you know, I, I kind of picture going, man, you know what you should do? Yeah. Let's remake Roadhouse with Jake Gyllenhaal. Ah! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll pay for it. Yeah, we already got their money, you know. <laughs> my God, my God. All right, Nana's Sports Chat Line. Mm-hmm. Didn't mean to get off topic there uh, about uh, everything. Quantrell does. So uh, Jim uh, comes in. He came in earlier and said, does Paris keep his recruiting under wraps? Really not much coming out of him. Uh, well, he tweeted about the commitment. He's he's not very active on social media at all. If, if you're talking about like information and you know who's reporting on, we we do a pretty good job at the Big Spur, uh, John Whittle in particular uh, of getting info out there. We were on top of the the Gigi Jackson thing too. Um, you know, I, I think uh, does he is there as much info? Uh, as maybe there was with Frank Martin, as far as different targets and stuff like that. No, but uh, I'll say this: there's we haven't really gotten into a full recruiting cycle uh, with Lamont just yet. Uh, so that's um, that's the deal there. Congratulations to Brian for getting cousin Shane to follow him today. <laughs> <laughs> um, Craig says, "Got to go at least two and one against Missouri, Tennessee, Kentucky." I think the four games I'm looking at, Phil. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be, and I put this in the category of, it would be nice. It would be nice. You know, you know, like, you know, your mom's, your, everybody's mom's always like, it would be nice. Or your wife sometimes, it would be nice. It would be nice. Well, my wife doesn't talk like that. Hold on. She's like, it would be nice if, I, <laughs> if maybe you put your clothes in the hamper every now and then. Uh, not yeah. next to it. Yeah, not next to it. <laughs> Uh, it would be nice. So, so this is this, these are my it would be nice games for the Gamecocks. Yeah. Um, uh, and I scratched my nose there. I did not pick it for those of you that maybe think I did. I got to get used to being on camera, man. Like all this, this time, because I'm like, I know I do some goofy stuff. <laughs> Phil, Phil's much better at holding steady. You know, I'm bobbing and weaving, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, okay, so the it would be nice if they would win these games this year okay it would be nice you know it would be like karen here you know it'd be nice it'd be nice (laughs) it'd be nice if you let me speak to the manager about these four (laughs) games that you should win (laughs) i I want to speak to your manager right now about these four these these teams let me speak to ray tanner right now right now (laughs) anyway um florida tennessee kentucky missouri 
Okay. Now, now yeah. back in the day, uh, it used to be, you know, before Missouri joined the league, you know, one of these things is not like the other because Florida and Tennessee were very tough games. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Kentucky wasn't, but it, 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 it's, it's different now. I think everybody's kind of shaking up in a box. The orange crush returns this year because the game guys have Florida, Tennessee, Clemson three straight, but, uh, I think there's an open date in there, but uh, those are the it would be nice games uh, for me this year, Phil. Um, you know, I, I ought to call up the movie the, uh, Amazon. But it would be nice if you wouldn't remake Roadhouse with Jake. We- <laughs> I want to speak right. to your manager, Jeff Bezos. Jeff oh, Bezos. He retired. Right. Oh, he retired. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, well, who's in charge? Anyway. <laughs> Um, so that's the deal there. Uh, all right, continuing on the Nana's porch chat line. Don't forget, uh, we have Mike Bratton from that SEC podcast coming up bottom of the hour to talk SEC. He's got some thoughts on the game guys too, folks. He's been sharing them all over the place. Mm-hmm. He's always kind of, I think he's one of the guys out there that's usually pretty, um, and, and I, I don't want to say like fair or unfair to South Carolina because I don't think there's any bias. I think different people take the time to kind of read up on teams uh, and really explore who exactly. And and I think that's, if people are looking at Carolina right now, kind of downgrading them, I think they're spending a lot more of their time, maybe looking into some other, uh, other, other schools a little more closely, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, they're, they're trying to bring back the traditional powers of Florida and Tennessee. Everybody's looking at that on the East. Everybody's trying to resurrect (laughs) that. Yeah, that's right. Really (laughs) resurrect those two schools for a while, man. Uh, This is the year, you know? Um, All right. So Steven uh, comes in and says, my biggest concern for our offense is that Satterfield won't know how to manage or make changes to personnel effectively from game to game with all the weapons we have. Your thoughts. Um, as far as that goes, until he does it, <laughs> he's got to do it, right? Yeah, you know, I right. mean, you can't, it uh, yeah. and, and like I, you know, then there's people all over the place right now uh, that, that see the Gamecock fans that, that you know, kind of they kind of see the personnel is like a lot better this year, uh, that are willing to give him a chance, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, myself included, that they called a truce on all this, and uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I, and I'll admit, I'm not, I'm not backing off of my criticism of last year at all. No, um, I'm just willing to see what can happen with, you know, better personnel, which uh, sometimes uh, when you when you have good players, you, 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 you know, makes you a better coach. Right. I mean, even Steve Spurrier didn't really light it up. I mean, the, the, the good thing about Steve was that, you know, or Spurrier was that I don't call him Steve because I don't know him personally, but uh you kind of always felt like Carolina was going to be in every game. They may not have won every game, but they were in it. They made plays. Uh, and then last year, there were just some ugly moments. I mean, at A&M, you're sitting there and you look, the game guys had, what, three yards or negative three yards in the third quarter? That was tough. You know, that, you know the Georgia, you know, I mean, it, it was just a tough, Georgia actually wasn't terrible. Um, you know, Tennessee obviously did not get off the best start, but uh you know, so so we'll see, you know, and, and coaches grow kind of like players do. I mean, uh, Satterfield's a younger guy. Uh, this is a, his first SEC coordinator gig. Um, you know, we'll see what he can do. I, I've always said this about him. I like the ideas and the concepts, and I think, I think he's creative. I mean, and I talked on the show the other day about Kurt Roper and how yeah. – I thought in game Roper was not very creative. 
um, and, and all that. So uh, I, uh, you know, it sounds like in game he wasn't very creative. I mean, and, and I, I think that was sad though. You see sometimes, and I'm not talking about necessarily the Jordan Birch pass at Tennessee, <laughs> um, but but you, you saw some of it in the bowl, uh, yeah. and, and 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 I go back to the bowl. The bowl, with the exception of the rotating quarterbacks, uh, which I think Jordan will probably see some snaps at quarterback at some point. With the exception of the rotating quarterbacks, that's exactly how this offense under Marcus Satterfield is supposed to work. If you notice, you've got a power run game. The Gamecocks had 510 yards rushing. Uh, they ran it right at them. They ran it around the end on them. Uh, they kept them off balance on the ground. And then big strikes down the field in the passing game. Um, and, and, you know, this spring and summer, they sort of worked on an intermediate passing game. Because I, I thought last year Carolina didn't have much. It was either long pass or, you know, yeah. no, no quick game. And so they're, they're adding that and – uh, but but if you watch the bowl, that's how it's supposed to work out. You know, they, they Shane Beamer wants to run the football. I mean, that's you know that's part of his DNA as a head coach. You know, Oklahoma, as much as they get credit for throwing it all over the yard, you know, they led the nation in rushing. You know, he, he worked at Georgia when they led the nation in rushing. Virginia Tech always had two running backs yep. that Every were time. awesome. Every <laughs> single time, no matter how long they threw it up mm-hmm. uh, down the field and had Mike Vick and all that, but. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, forgive my little uh, nose itching right now. It's kind of weird. Uh, but uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, that's that's what this program has to do. And, and that's how you win in the SEC, man. If you can't run the ball, you're going to you're going to struggle. Uh, the, your best case scenario, I think, is a lot like like what Mike Leach does at Mississippi State. Uh, and that take that that non running attack that takes a Mike Leach. You know, to, 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 to be successful doing it. Um, but, but the game guys want to run the football. They've got good running backs. They've got a veteran offensive line uh, that's deep. So well, it just know, stacks up, you know, on the on the front line and with the running backs like we were looking at earlier. I mean, to, to actually be able to have that game script that would be optimal, you know, that you are going to run the ball. Um, and like Chris was saying earlier, now we've got, you know, talent at the quarterback position that we haven't had and, you know, who knows when. So we should be able to rely on Spencer Rattler too uh, to get us out of that if we aren't having as much success running as we are. Or yeah. just you know, use the run to open up the pass, you know, like the old yeah. school mentality as opposed to the opposite. <laughs> well, and I think it's inter- you brought up a great point there, Phil, with uh, in terms of the running and the passing, right? Mm-hmm. Um Last year, I don't know, especially early on, because <clears throat> you look at what Eastern Illinois did, East Carolina did, Georgia did. Uh, really, your your Troys did it in Tennessee. I mean, a lot of teams did it on defense. What they do is they maybe put in a roll kind of a little extra guy up in the box mm-hmm. if they were worried about the Gamecock run game. And then on top of that, there's a lot of confusion up front and stuff like that, especially early. Uh, and, and so then – with no passing game, how do you, you know, or with a limited passing game, you're limited at receiver, you're limited at quarterback, uh, you can't make them pay. You know, if, if it were just easy, like everybody stacks the box, uh, and that's what drove me crazy about the Missouri game last year that Chris was talking about earlier, is, okay, Missouri crashed its ends the whole night to try to disrupt Jason Brown in the backfield and the run game and all that. Well, 
if it was that easy, everybody crashed their ends all the time. You have to have a counter for that. There's always uh, a counter, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and so, 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 uh, Clemson, I'll give you an example. You know, Clemson always sells out and stop the run mm-hmm. most of the time under Brent Venables. Uh, and boy, it was easy for them to do. I mean, because Carolina just did not have, I mean, Josh Van goes down uh, or gets injured, tweaks his hamstring that week. He's not available. Uh, that passing game just had no shot. Uh, yeah. against them but now with rattler with more receivers all that teams can't just sell out and stop carolina's run game so you become balanced mm-hmm. and i think that's uh that's the key to this offense and what you shoot for is the balance i mean you have to you have to be able to run the football you have to be able to throw the football uh in today's day and age and carolina on paper has the ability to do that so um yeah. so that that Atkins, uh, Stephen, i i agree uh that that's a concern uh, and it's and it's a concern until it's not. But uh, like I said, I called a truce on that, and uh, I'm going to wait and see what he can do uh, this year. Brian says, "What are the chances we lose Braswell or Jaden Robinson?" Here, their own flip alert. Robinson, uh, watch it very closely. Um, you know, I, he he did not flip to Florida yet. Florida has offered him. Uh, would I say that I fully expect him to stay in the class? No. Would I say that I fully expect him to flip the Florida? No. I mean, he, you know, some guys surprise you. Uh, I, I think a lot of the the feeling is Carolina's got to really, uh, I guess, I don't want to say work hard because they've been working hard. But, uh, you know, I, I think do some special things to keep him. I, I don't know. What, what I would do if I were them with him is I would just try to prolong the flip then get into the season, uh, and if Florida has a surprisingly good year, he's probably gone, and if not, and it's, you know, because, man, sometimes those Gator fans, they can get a little toxic, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, and maybe maybe end up with him still. I mean, uh, and the thing about this is, too, these days if a kid's heart is at a certain school, um, you just need him to go ahead and go there, right? And if his heart's at Florida, he needs to go there because – he comes to your school, the first sign of adversity that hits and adversity always hits Phil with everybody, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, he's, he's going back to where his heart was. Right. Uh, And and I think you can look at Lavoisier Carroll uh, who went to Georgia uh, as an example of that. Craig says, or is Carolina still in it on Elijah Davis, the big Juco D tackle. Uh, Unless you've read something this morning, Craig, that says, He's eliminated Carolina or something like that. That maybe I haven't. Um, yeah, our Carolina's right there. You gotta, you gotta battle Alabama a little bit. Maybe Florida State on him. But um, I think uh, I think Carolina not only uh, is, is I, I guess in it, uh, but I think he's a priority. I mean, I, I think he's a guy that really needs uh, to be a priority in this class. I think he's really good. How about that? Um, Joseph Claude Powell says, who is repping at punter just joined in also any trickery with Doty or Joiner as a placeholder. I would probably, I mean, has Luke Doty held before? I don't remember holding it all. I'm not sure. Cause Kai Kroger's out and, um, Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly. I don't know who exactly is repping at punter right now. Cause, uh, Shane Beamer said the other day that, you know, there's guys that can place kick and punt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And the holder, though, because Kroger uh, on several field goals last year, Kai Kroger saved the day 
because the snap was high or whatever, and he would jerk it out of there. Um, so I'd probably, if I were the staff, I'd probably look at uh, look at maybe um, you know maybe Luke Doty there or, or to carry and Jordan, one of the quarterbacks. So that's the kind of thing there. All right, the Nana Sports chat box is overflowing and uh, pretty pretty awesome today. So we appreciate the interaction. Uh, as always, and uh, I guess, Phil, we're about to, to get on with uh, Mike Bratton, right? Should we go yeah. ahead and uh, uh, head off this break, and um, then we'll uh, we'll come back, and if he's not quite in yet, he'll he'll get in, right? Oh, yeah, he'll, he'll get in. He's uh, well, He's got everything he needs to get in, so he'll be in here soon. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Uh, we will be back with uh, Mike Bratton uh, of That SEC Podcast. Uh right after these messages. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA mid-amateur tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington, half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Let's say you need catering. You need a food truck. You just need to get some delicious food to feed some people. Nana's Porch is the place for you. I've known Chris, the owner, for years now. Uh, They helped with the Big Spur Golf Tournament, uh, catering it. It was delicious. I highly encourage you uh, to go visit nanasporch.com. That's nanasporch.com right now uh, to take a look at their services, their menu items, everything you may need for your event, the professionalism, the food, the taste. Uh, it's unrivaled uh, in this space. 336-259-7550 is the phone number. Or again, Go to nanasports.com. Uh, we talk about them all the time. They uh, sponsor the chat line here on the podcast, but uh, wanted to tell you about it right here straight from JC. Tell them JC sent you, uh, and please support this Gamecock-owned and operated business. Also a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. 
Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. All right, we're back inside the Gamecast podcast. JC Sherbert here with you. Um, I guess we don't have Mike yet. Not yet, not yet. Okay, that's cool. Because the the college uh, coaches poll came out, Phil. Oh, oh yeah. Just while we were uh, yammering away, um, and uh, so number one is Alabama, number two is Ohio State. I I think it, that's probably going to be that way the whole year. Uh, defending national champion Georgia is number three. Clemson is number four. <laughs> four. How about that? Uh, Notre Dame fifth. Michigan sixth, Texas A&M seventh. I think that's a little high for them. Uh, Utah is eighth. Utah would probably be who I'd have up there. Oklahoma nine, Baylor 10, Oklahoma State 11 with Mike Gundy. (laughs) Mike Gundy. Uh, Come after me. I'm a man. By the way, (laughs) Mike Gundy's brother, Kale, uh, after 23 years at Oklahoma, got fired or, or had to resign because he had an inappropriate word. Uh, on a screen that never kind of went into what it was, but you can imagine. And so kill Gundy out of a job. Hey, you know, I, I don't, I don't know many, I know some people that know him. Uh, he's kind of, I don't know, maybe a couple of times treated a friend of mine wrong. So I can't <laughs> say I was, I was sad about that. Really? Uh, uh, Oregon 12, NC state 13, Michigan state 14, NC state at 13. How about that? Uh, USC, uh, the Southern California, 15, Pitt, 16, Miami, 17, Texas, 18, Wake, 19, Wisconsin, 20, Kentucky, 21, Cincinnati, 22, Arkansas, 23, Ole Miss, 24, Houston, 25. All the SEC schools are kind of bunched toward the back. Um, so, so, so riddle me this, Phil, uh, NC state, let's say NC state was playing, uh, and they did last year. They played Mississippi State in Starkville. Uh, right. Let's say let's say that game was uh, going back to Raleigh, and they they played Mississippi State, who's unranked, uh, in the opener. Uh, I mentioned him earlier, Mike Leach, the Pirate. Uh, I, I think NC State would have a hard time winning that football game. Oh, I agree. I agree. And yeah. uh, you know, even though we we're, we're, of course we're about to have uh, 
Mike Bratton on uh, and, uh, you know, his deep dives into all the SEC schedules have really got me sold on the uh, pirate and what they got going on at Mississippi state this year. I think they yeah. are under. <laughs> I, 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 I think so too. I, and, uh, you know, NC state, like uh, uh, one of the anonymous takes on them or whatever. And uh, one of the talks on them is that that program's never really been ranked highly. I guess, uh, and, and not that they've always done better sort of as the surprise team. Uh, and, and there's something to be said for that, but, um, man, a 13 for NC state. Never thought I'd see that. I, I like Michigan state. I like Mel Tucker. Uh, the Southern Cal thing, I think is just a, you know, a hope and a prayer that they can outscore everybody. I, I find yeah. it, I find it funny that Pitt is 16th. Um, and we were talking to Phil Steele on the, um, JC and Morgan last week, Phil, and uh, he's still bullish on Pitt, even though they lost Jordan. I, I heard that, man. I, I was yeah. a little surprised about that, but that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they got they got a former Trojan quarterback, Keaton Slovis, who's uh, sort of a gunslinging type guy, and um, you know they're 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 sixteenth, the Pitt Panthers. How about that? So, I know it. I know it. Uh, so that's nuts. All right. So has Mike joined us yet, let's, or we're not? Mike on in. Yeah. Here. Let's okay. See. Good. Uh, Come on in, Mike. Happy to have you, ladies. Hey, and guys. Can you hear me? Yeah, we're here. Yes, you're sir. great, man. Good. good Thanks good for having me, Mike Bratton of that SEC podcast. Uh, uh, we got a request for you to say, what are you doing, you big Gamecock homers? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I keep talking about wanting Cousin Shane to come on too, man, because it's uh, it's awesome. But, uh, you know, Mike, uh, we had SEC Media Days a couple weeks ago, and, and this coach's poll just came out. And from the looks of it, based on this poll, and I, the coach's poll actually isn't, you know, what it used to be, right? You know, Uh it looks like the the SEC as a whole, outside of the top usual suspects, maybe A and M being a little high, uh, is a little bit disrespected. I mean, you got m- multiple Big Twelve teams, Pac twelve teams, ACC teams, uh, and Big Ten teams ranked ahead of uh, you know what normally is about the top six or seven in the conference. Yeah, hey, breaking news. So here's my this is real live reaction. I did not know that JC. I was uh, working out. <laughs> I, I got to get myself going to get for these interviews. So I'm looking at it right here. And yeah, I mean, A&M seven, I disagree with that. Let's see. I, I think A&M should be closer to 15, maybe, you know, top right around top 10, in my opinion, mm-hmm. Kentucky 21. That feels about right. Arkansas should be a lot higher. I don't think Ole Miss, I know they had a great season. They don't have any business being ranked. I think, <laughs> tennis, I think Tennessee, you got to rank them. And I've said this before. I'm not. I'm not just trying to suck up to you and your audience, but I think South Carolina sh- should be ranked. And maybe they don't deserve that. I'm fine with them having to earn that ranking. But I would actually. I mean, you're telling me you're taking Houston over South Carolina on a neutral field. I. I sure as hell wouldn't. No, definitely not. Uh, yeah, and that's my point. I mean, I'm looking. I'm like, look. No offense to Dave Aranda and Baylor, but. Uh, uh, if Baylor, you know, let's say Baylor played Arkansas, I mean, uh, you know, like an old Southwest Conference get together, I, I don't know that I wouldn't take Baylor in, in that game. And I know they beat Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl after Matt Carroll got her, blah, 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 blah. And Aranda's a good coach, but, uh, you know, I certainly wouldn't take NC State over just about every team in the SEC except Vandy. Uh, right. you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know how much stock you put into point spreads, but I'm pretty sure Pitt is an underdog currently 
at home against Tennessee week two. So what yeah. what in the hell are they doing at number 16? I have no idea. In Southern Cal, I guess we're just giving them the benefit of the doubt every year, huh? Yeah, it's like, oh, well, Lincoln Riley got all these transfers, and uh, they're going to be really good on offense. Uh, their defense – uh, and then, you know, you got to play, they got to get a lot tougher. They're kind of like Texas in that regard. Uh, they need to get a lot tougher. Um, and they got to play the Utah Utes, which I think we're all about to see, uh, it'll be a pretty tough team here in week one down at the swamp. Um, yeah. So you mentioned South Carolina, uh, you think they should be ranked. I, I, on paper, I could make a, 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 an argument for it if people kind of look at who they have what makes you and i know you've been bullish on shane beamer and the gamecocks here for a while uh and you actually were a little bit more uh, bullish on them last year uh one of the few people that said hey they got a shot to go to a bowl and all that so so what, what what's your take uh from there where you're at uh, about uh south carolina well it all starts with the fact that uh, they won't have a coach under center starting out right out the gate i mean just a massive massive improvement i'm I always caution South Carolina fans that are touting Spencer Rattler for the Heisman. And I don't think it's their <laughs> fault because he's on, he's on the Heisman odds. He legitimately is, but I think that's a little ridiculous, but uh, I think he's, you can make the case. He's one of the top five quarterbacks, or at least he will be one of the top five quarterbacks in the SEC. So that's a massive upgrade. I love the weapons that they've surrounded him with. Uh, I think they've got, you know, one of the best tight end combos in the country. Uh, the transfer receivers from James Madison and Arkansas State, I think they're going to be major upgrades. And that's before we even, you know, I don't want to overlook Josh Van, who's probably the best of the group. Uh, and I like their additions at running back. I, th- I think they go three deep at running back. So, you know, the problem is the offensive line, which returns everybody, which sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's not. But <laughs> yeah. I'd, rather, I'd rather have them back in experienced group than not. Um, and of course, Marcus Satterfield. And I keep saying this to everybody that'll listen. You'll be amazed how good a coach is when uh, they have players that can run their system and and they have difference makers on the outside, which I think they'll have. If the if the offense isn't significantly improved this year, then uh, we'll know it's a Marcus Satterfield issue. Yeah, yeah, it, you, you, that's gonna that's gonna take care of itself, I think. Um, you know, looking at the SEC East, I, I've, I've said this many times. I think you know you you've got to pick Georgia. Uh, and uh, but I also don't want to. I, I think sometimes you know we had a guest on earlier that, that called a, a a take lazy, uh, and I think sometimes it's a a somewhat of a lazy take uh, to look at massive amounts of of talented talented players, right? Leaving a program and then looking at the recruiting rankings and just going, well, they're going to reload like Alabama. Uh, there's been one Alabama in our lifetime. Right. You know, uh, and I'm not saying Georgia can't be the next Alabama, but you lose that many freaks. And and, and Mike, they were freaks. I mean, you know, look at their numbers from the combine, uh, Trevon Walker. I mean, all the way down. I mean, Nicobe Dean didn't even go in the first round, which I thought was a joke. But uh, I mean, that that's one of the best linebackers I've ever seen in my career. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to downplay their losses, but I, I do think when you look at the rest of the East, you, you still got to go with Georgia. After that, between the next spot and Vandy, uh, you know, Vandy, I think, would probably be seventh. Um, wow, shake him up in a box. Uh, what's your what's your take on that? Because you, you kind of look and there's intriguing aspects about every team. Uh, and then there's 
there's warning signs and red flags and all the things that you, you, you know, when you say that negatively. Um, so, so, so your take on that middle part of the Southeastern Conference's Eastern division. Yeah, I got no idea, JC. And I think that's good. I think that's good for the SEC. It's going to be, you know, one heck of a year, but um, I went on record. I went a little bold. I, I got Florida number two. And a lot of that has to do with the fact they host Kentucky early. I think that'll be one of those games where, you know, it's kind of a crossroads. Whoever loses that game is, is probably going to fall down the standings to, towards the end of the season. Whoever wins it is going to build that momentum. Uh, they do have to go to Tennessee, but, hell, I'm, I'm a Tennessee grad, so I, I can tell you I'm never picking Tennessee to beat the Florida Gators. I don't care where that game's played. Uh, and Kentucky, again, they have to go to Tennessee, and they host Georgia. I already said they went to Florida. I think they're going to lose all three of those games. And that's before you get to an improved South Carolina. They have to play Mississippi State, which whooped them last year. They have to play at Ole Miss. That uh, Ole Miss is a complete wild card. I don't know what to make of them. But I'm just seeing the, the losses kind of rack up for Kentucky. And, it, and that's not to say they're a terrible football team by any means. But I just think that uh, Will Levis in particular being a little overhyped, I think he's a good player. I've heard from people in the NFL say, realistically, he's a third-round pick. And that's why he came back to school. I mean, this first overall, that's a joke. Um, and I've had, I've had high-level NFL people tell me that. So, uh, I, again, you're a third-round pick. You're a hell of a quarterback. So I'm, I'm not sitting here trashing him. But for anybody that thinks that Will Levis can carry the Kentucky Wildcats to Atlanta when he lost his three best offensive linemen, the, the tackles in the center, those are the three positions you don't want to lose. The running back, will he even be eligible for Florida? We don't know. And people are just completely dismissing the loss of Wondell Robinson, who was he was just dynamic for them. Second round pick. Kentucky doesn't have second round picks at receivers once, but every 20 years down there. So uh, I, I don't think there's any way they replace that. And, and I think their offense is going to struggle uh, by SEC standards this season. Wow, that's bold because a, a lot of Wildcat fans, man, the, the Big Blue Nation's going to get after you, you know. The, the, the folks that run the music city. Yeah, yeah, beyond <laughs> where they are now, Mike, right? <laughs> the, 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 the folks that run the Music City Bowl are pissed, man, because they're like, well, we want to invite the Wildcats, you know. Um, I, I, I Talking to Phil earlier, uh, and Phil, maybe maybe you, you want to dive into this with, with Mike a little bit. Uh, we talked about the Pirate. We talked about Mike Leach. Uh, you know, Phil, what's uh, what, what's uh, what, what do you got to ask Mike about this about about this Mississippi State thing? Because it was very intriguing when you were talking about it earlier. Well, I, I think you know, you know, Old Miss being a question mark this year. I'm with you on that, Mike, because it's just we don't know what they've got down there. Um, but when you look at it from year over year, Mississippi State is returning a lot of starters. Uh, you've got a brilliant mind on offense who last year jumped up and, you know, took off a couple of teams they shouldn't have. And I'm, I'm looking for them to do it again, if not build off of that, Mike, I, I feel like, uh, you know, it's just, they're kind of primed and waiting in the wings right now, just, just sitting back quietly and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Mississippi yeah. state just loaded with experience. Like you said, Phil return a hundred percent of the passing yards, a hundred percent of the rushing yards, the only team in the SEC that does that returns six receivers that caused at least 29 passes. A big question mark for Mississippi State, though, is that they lose both offensive tackles. And yep. they didn't have offensive tackles during the COVID year. And it was just – it was – we all remember the, the 623 yards passing they had in the opener. But what we forget was just 
the nightmare inconsistency it was because obviously they're going to throw the ball 90% of the time down there in Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. you got to be able to pass block. So they did add the top junior college uh, offensive tackle in the country. They're hoping that he can plug in. He's a six foot eight mountain of a man named Percy Lewis. So if he Percy, can come in there and plug <laughs> if they that's a hell of a name for an offensive lineman, man. <laughs> the the offense should be one of the best. I, I'm right there with you. I think everybody's we just overlook Mississippi State for whatever reason. I guess just I don't know because they're they're supposed to be dead last in the West every year. But right, yeah. Zach, Zach Arnett, I think, is a heck of a defensive coordinator. I think he does tremendous work with. Uh, you know, he doesn't have many elite players to to play with, but he gets a lot out of that group. So I'm right there with you. I think if they can beat LSU. In Death Valley, which is a tough ask, I, I think they're going to be four and zero to start the year. Wow, Mississippi State, yeah. the, the Pirate man! I'll never forget that in the pandemic year, opened up the season, and I was like, I think Mississippi State's going to beat LSU because I don't think Bo Pelini knows how to defend this offense, and 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 and, and, and lo and behold, I was prophetic. I mean, the people I was hanging out with. We're like, because we were so ready for football to start that year. It didn't start until the end of September. And they were like, my goodness, man. My, my buddy, he's big, he's a big Tennessee fan, Mike. He was like, goodness gracious, man, you're right. <laughs> you know, he, he, he couldn't believe that, that the Pirate won. And then they they had the video where they had the bandwagon, like an actual bandwagon. <laughs> like, if you want to get on the bandwagon. Hell hey, State. I love I love Coach O more than anybody uh, out there. I'm sad to yeah. see that he's no longer in the SEC. But he did say – uh, they've upgraded from Dave losing Dave Aranda to Bo Pelini that offseason. <laughs> he did. Yeah, that was tough. That was like Spur, Spurrier before the 2014 season said, ah, Coach Ward tells me my de- a defense this year could be better than last year's. <laughs> Shoot. And then, oh, my God, that was a terrible defense. That was awful. I mean, that was just a disaster. So, uh, but yeah, you got to be careful. Shoot those assistant coaches. They, they wasn't really truthful, was he? Anyway. Um, so yeah, Arnett, Zach Arnett is a star. I agree with you completely there. LSU. Yeah. So we, so we mentioned LSU because, you know, everybody's talking about Texas A&M. I, I, hey, hats off for the best recruiting class in the history of college football on paper, and especially the D-line class they signed. Uh, anybody that knows a lot about D-line and knows that if you want to step in as a true freshman in this league and play at a high, high level, that is rare. <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of people are penciling these five stars in, man, like it's the Fab Five from Michigan basketball and just saying A&M's going to keep on rolling, baby. And I, I just – I think they're – I said they were a year away last year. I think they're probably still about a year away – uh, I think they'll get better as the season goes on. They don't really have that tough of a schedule, except for the obviously the SEC West. But um, yeah, everybody talks about AM Bama. Uh, everybody talks about how bad Auburn could potentially be. LSU, though, I don't hear much talk about that. Brian Kelly's in. Uh, they got the quarterback from Arizona State, who I thought was a ball player. Um, a lot of portal activity, a lot of folks coming in, going out. Uh, I think Brian Kelly's a hell of a coach. Your thoughts about the LSU Tigers in 2022? Well, credit to you guys because you've asked me about the two teams, Ole Miss and LSU, that uh, I got no idea about because it, I mean, who in the heck knows with all the transition they've had, no idea who's going to be that starting quarterback. You mentioned Jaden Daniels. I like Garrett Nussmeyer. I think he's got the highest ceiling of those guys in that system. Now, does he fit exactly what they want to do? Probably not. It's pro- it probably is Jaden Daniels, but then Miles Brennan's got. 
you know, he, he's a leader of that locker room as, as it's relayed to me. So very interesting to see how that quarterback duo shakes out. LSU should have a, an elite defensive line, one of the best in the SEC. Uh, they just lost a running back, Trey Bradford, who no longer with the program. But everybody I keep talking to down there is hyping up John Emery, who was a five-star. He was ineligible last year. But they've been hyping up John Emery for about three years now. So yeah. if not now, <laughs> it, it's, it's got to be now for John Emery. Uh, they probably have the best receiver in the SEC, Kayshawn Butte. Mm -hmm. They've got nice pieces. But the schedule, it's pretty rough. Right out the gate, Florida State. They should beat Florida State. It's in New Orleans. But, you know, year year one, game one, that's that's yeah. a tricky one, I think, for Brian Kelly. Maybe, and then I yeah. on it. Week three, Mississippi State comes to town. If you don't have your team ready to play, you're going to lose to Mississippi State. And all of a sudden, all these LSU fans that think you're the next Nick Saban, uh, I'm not <sighs> saying they're going to put them on the hot seat, but they're going to be madder and damn it if they're uh, one and two to start the, start the season. Oh, yeah. You lose that game in New Orleans and you lose in Baton Rouge uh, uh, to Mississippi State, which never happens. They got the Lobos, then they go to Auburn. And, uh, you know, and, and I mentioned everybody's talking about how bad Auburn's going to be. If you look at the ESP, now, I, now look, the, this ESPN, FPP, whatever thing they do, I, I think it's garbage, <laughs> by the way. Um, it is. <laughs> it's garbage. I mean, I don't know what they're thinking in some cases, but. Uh, they had a Auburn, what, 10th in the country. They had Mississippi State 10th in the country last year in this thing. And then, but if you also look at the blue chip ratio, uh, 54% of Auburn's roster is made up of four or five star guys. Uh, I think they do have players. Here's my question to you about Auburn Can they start 5 and 0? Oh? And here's the, here's the schedule Mercer, San Jose State. Watch out for the Spartans, by the way. Penn State, that's a big game. Missouri, LSU, five straight at Jordan Hare to open for the Tigers. Yeah, I'll answer that in just a second, JC. But you hit on something with the ESPN FPI. My favorite FPI story 2019, LSU goes on a magical run. I think it's the greatest college team we've ever seen, most balanced team, 15 and 0, just beat the hell out of Clemson, Ohio State in the playoff. Do you know at the end of the season, ESPN FPI's rankings? No. They had Ohio State, which they beat by like 40 points, number one. Clemson, number two, which they clashed. They just trashed them in the championship game the day before. 15-0 and 0, LSU was number three. That was their final ranking. So, yeah, huh. to hell with the ESPN FPI. But you can look so, that up. So, somebody needs to check their data, dude. Like, who's this guy that's doing it? I mean, I like to see this, this crew of, of Motley – uh, it, it's probably like that in, in Men in Black, the little uh, slugs that smoke cigarettes. They're the ones in there. Doing, oh, ESPN. Uh, we love uh, the FPP. The FPP. What the hell ever. That's fine. That's just, oh, hey, man. Hey, Clemson finished number two and got the hell beat out of them. Oh, great. You know, it is garbage. You're right. But uh, yeah, Auburn. But five and oh, I, I, I've said that to people. But go ahead. Go ahead. Five and oh. No, I don't think it's going to happen. And I don't even. You know, that Penn State game is tricky. That That's going to be one where they nationally televised. They're going to be able to, to build a ton of momentum, no doubt. But I think the game I'm more interested in is that Missouri football game. Uh, really? I, I think Missouri is going to have a lot on the line there. I think Missouri is being slipped on a little bit. Um, I don't know if you guys, if, if you follow SEC Stat Cap, but I've had him on my show. And, you know, he runs the numbers on all these guys. He 
Brady Cook, we didn't see much of him last year. So it, it is a small sample size. You got to take that into consideration. But according to his metrics of how he grades these quarterbacks, he says Brady Cook, there's only five quarterbacks he puts in an elite category based on last year's film. And Brady Cook is one of them. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, very, very small sample size. Only like a game and a half tape. So take that you know, with a grain of salt. But if he is the guy and if he can produce in that system – I think there's a real chance Missouri goes down there and upsets Brian Harson and and that's going to start wow. the clock on how quick they can run him out of town. Yeah, and that's no before, you know, that's before the LSU game. So it, I I think it's very very unlikely that Auburn's five and zero. I got you. I got you. Missouri, of course, week two they got a big test going crossing the border into the state of Kansas. I think for the first time since they joined the SEC uh, to play Kansas State. That's not who they hate. Everybody wonders who Missouri hates. They don't. They don't hate Oklahoma. I mean, they don't. I mean, they may dislike Oklahoma, but they don't. They don't hate Arkansas. Uh, you know, regardless of how the SEC tries to facilitate that rivalry, uh, they, they they don't hate. You know, I think they don't like South Carolina too much, but because uh, they play for a trophy. But Kansas, Kansas, the Jayhawks—that's their big rival. Um, but they're going to Kansas State week two. That Kansas State's very well coached. They got a very good coach. They beat Oklahoma, I think. Uh, two years ago. Um, they're just still that tricky team uh, with the exception of the two years, three years under Ron Prince. Uh, uh, they've had that, you know, and they replaced Bill Snyder with a guy that's a lot like Bill Snyder. So I think that's going to be tough. Uh, they play Abilene Christian and then they go to Auburn. So yeah, you're right. You know, you're still a win in Manhattan, Mike, and all of a sudden you're three and O and you go to Auburn and when you're four and O with Georgia coming to Como. So that could be the case. Missouri had a very good recruiting class. Luther Bowden, by the way, is going to be a special, special player at wide receiver for the Missouri Tigers. Um, all right, wrapping up with Mike Bratton. Uh, back to the Gamecocks. You know, Spencer Rattler gets talked about. You mentioned some of the supporting cast. But defensively, you know, I, I think there's room for improvement against the run. But Carolina does have some players coming back. Your thoughts on the Gamecock defense? Yeah, it's just unfortunate that uh, right out the gate, week two, they got to play Arkansas at Arkansas. I, mean, a, <laughs> I think they're going to be the best rushing. They were last year, best rushing attack in the SEC, bring back four or five on the offensive line and top three running backs and K.J. Jefferson, who's probably the best running quarterback in the conference. So it's kind of a nightmare matchup. I don't. It's not one of these where I don't think South Carolina's got a shot, particularly playing that game early is going to help because that Razorback Stadium can get pretty – intense in the evening no doubt texas found out the hard way but yeah clayton white was one of the biggest surprises i thought in the sec last year i thought he did a tremendous job you know we all recognize will muschamp as a defensive guru but of course the defense was just god awful his final year so i was kind of anticipating more of the same uh last year under clayton white but i know i mean they they were a scrappy bunch and and now i think getting the linebacker depth, I think, is critical because they had virtually no linebackers last year uh, after some injuries set in. They've got talent on the defensive line and uh, hearing great things about uh, the transfer safety they brought in. And we all know uh, they got one of the best corners in the country. So, you know, it could be a really, really good South Carolina defense that uh, with, with Spencer Rattler and all the additions on the offensive side of the ball, I think the defense is getting a little overshadowed in Columbia. Yeah, you know, I, I think they need to stop the run. And, and you know, like like we said, 
I mean, you, you open with Georgia State. That's That was the eighth-ranked rushing attack in the country. At Arkansas, that was the seventh. And then the Georgia Bulldogs come to town, and we know they're going to run the ball. You know, I mean, and they were 36th, I think, last year running the football. So you're going to find out if this uh, <laughs> if this defensive uh, uh, rush defense is going to be better next year quickly. All right, Mike Bratton, that SEC podcast uh, – uh, tell our audience anything special going on on the podcast this week uh, on you guys and uh, tell everybody where they can find it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that, JD. The SEC available on all YouTube. Uh, I'll be scheduled to go find Mom at uh, 5 Eastern, 4 o'clock today. So that'll be pretty fun. It's pretty good. I go viral on one of those fine Mom appearances. But yeah, all camp and, and everything going on there. So, uh, all right thanks mike uh, have a good one um and uh all that and we'll have you on again soon appreciate you buddy yeah, man, thank yeah, you thanks guys. thanks thanks sec mike mike bratton of that sec podcast sorry about the audio there i think mike's connection because uh, it wasn't ours because Phil's head was moving around and so was mine, but, but Mike got it. I think he said he's going to be on fine bomb today. So yeah, I did not realize how much of a celebrity we just had in here. If you're going to be on fine bomb, <laughs> I was, I, I, I was on fine bomb one time uh, after AJ McCarron, um, AJ McCarron said something about recruiting rankings and, and I snapped back on Twitter about it. <laughs> and Feinbaum had me on and asked me about it when it was when I was working at 24 seven sports only been on Feinbaum once. Uh, and that's fine with me. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't you know, all that. Now, Mike, Mike Bratton can handle the Feinbaum appearances. All right. I want to talk about something important before we get out of here. And that is uh, Mayor McCheese. <laughs> yes. Now. Okay. And I see, I have my little figure here, like Mayor McCheese. Okay. Uh, I have been searching for a Mayor McCheese figurine uh, for a long time, but most importantly, I've been searching for a Mayor McCheese Halloween costume for ages. Um, I found the figurine finally uh, on Amazon the other day, so I'm happy. I, I think he's like the most underrated character in all of McDonald Land. You know, he's the freaking mayor. He's in charge. You know, he has to, he has to like, you know, rule over like uh, a clown uh, <laughs> that, 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 that uh, you know, colors rainbows and then whatever well, Grimace is. And then a he thief. had the best playground equipment too. Man. Yeah. <laughs> climb yeah, up you, in the hamburger. Climb, yeah. Yeah, you know I mean? you climb up in there and like, yeah, you get, <laughs> if it's summertime where we grew up, Phil, you get third degree burns. Oh, God, uh, yeah. If you go down the slide, you know, um, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I mean, I just, Merriman Cheese is important to me. And I was just like, uh, I, I'm glad I got this, but still can't find a costume. Um, he's got to deal with the clown. He's got to deal with Grimace. He's got to deal with this guy that steals hamburgers, you know, put him in jail. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, I, I wanted to bring that up because I'll, I'll mention Merriman Cheese from time to time to time here. I'm probably going to put him up on the wall behind me beside my grandmother in my picture there. That's my grandmother, by the way, in the background. Um, and that's me with Jackie Bradley. And I think Scott Wingo beside the picture of my grandma. Anyway. Um, so I wanted to bring that up and yeah, SEC Mike always has a really uh, a good in-depth, um, I guess, thought process about this. And yes, yeah, interesting. He's not buying Kentucky. I, I don't, 
I don't know. I mean, it, it, we, we talk all the time, Phil, about don't know what to make about this team or that. Um, and that seems to be the answer around the SEC this year. Yeah. Uh, for mean. most teams, I don't know, you know. Um, but I thought it was interesting. He's one of the few people that's not really bullish on the Wildcats this year. And, uh, they do have to go to Florida where they've rarely won uh, week two. All right, wrapping up for today. Uh, once again, appreciate the Burgess team at – Remax at the lake for sponsoring hour number two of the inside the Gamecocks, the show of the inside. It's no, the JC it's inside the Gamecocks, the show. Um, uh, once again, happy birthday to Kelly, uh, your happy sister birthday. out there. Happy birthday to her. And uh, certainly had a lot of fun uh, chatting up with you guys. We'll have more great guests later this week, uh, including Jamie Bradford, Meredith Taylor, uh, probably John Whittle, maybe some other folks. Who knows? Who knows what? Who knows what lurks in the shadows? Cast um, of thousands. And uh, cast of thousands. All right. For Phil Mullinex, this is JC Sherbert. This has been Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Holler at you tomorrow.